Very good. Well, John will not be able to make it this morning. Something about his family's in town, a wedding going on pretty soon or something. And But because of that, I, I guess uh, last minute he said, you know what, it would be better to have somebody else teach this morning. So you're stuck with me again. Sorry about that. Oh, at least I got one fan here. Thank you. <laughs> Heather, Heather will probably start throwing things. Good. Okay, good. Good to have you guys here. Let's open with a word of prayer. Gracious Lord, uh, for all things, we want to give you thanks. And uh, we should always have joy in our hearts because of what you've done for us. Amidst our circumstances, uh, we always can look to you and what you've done for us and have great joy because we do not deserve what we have. I pray this morning uh, marks that further in our minds that we recognize what you've done for us, that we can see the plan that you've had before the ages. We can see that your word gives us strength and gives us information, gives us knowledge so that we can get through each day. But then also we can encourage others and teach others and help others because uh, you have been uh, perfect and your word is perfect and we can rely on it. So thank you for this morning. May it uh, help our hearts to draw closer to you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey. Ah, well, you're allowed to. You're allowed to. Yes, you guys. Yeah, you get a tardy done. Well, I'm very thankful to have been brought up in a home with a mother who feared God, who challenged me to know scriptures from an early age. The sovereign act of God, I believe, was a uh, major factor in bringing me to Christ at an early age. Uh, my father was ambivalent. He really didn't care about what was going on in life uh, with, with the Bible. He would follow along with us going to church. Um, but my mom was saved just shortly after my birth. I think that might have had something to do with it. Maybe I was that much of a terror or something. But she lived the rest of her life studying scriptures. And I always remember that as a child. She's gone on to be with the Lord about 15 years ago, but... But she always was studying scripture. But unfortunately, she leaned into hyperdispensationalism. Are you familiar with that term? Dispensationalism, we understand. Hyperdispensation is a little further, which really prompted her to focus all of her attention on the epistles and revelation with really almost a disregard for the Old Testament and even for the Gospels. After all, the Gospels were about the life of Christ before he died on the cross, thus salvation under the law rather than under grace, she believed. And this made the books for the Jews and not for the New Testament era. It's kind of a weird thinking, but I, it was always in the back of my mind. This doesn't seem exactly right. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and reproof. So I, I grew up that way and, and sweet lady loved the Lord, a wonderful saint. Well, I grew up hearing that Matthew, through John, really need not be studied because the promises contained therein were directed to the Jews that would find this during the tribulation, uh, and they would read it at a later date. In fact, I pulled out her old Bible, which had a tremendous amount of her personal notes uh, written in it. And I turned to Matthew 5 through 7 and was amazed there were very, very few notes at all written in there, with other portions of the Bible just worn to pieces. Almost all of them said, for tribulation saints, with exclamation marks on it. So this is kind of a, an odd setting, but that's kind of the mother I grew up with. Praise God that she, she loved the Lord. So for me to have learned that all salvation all throughout history had been by grace alone was a big change. Pastor Steve's teaching more on the Old Testament has reinforced that 2 Timothy 3.16 that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. This is King James, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Obviously, all of us have heard messages from the gospel, so we've gone 
really we're going through it right now with Steve. We're going through the book of Matthew. He's been through Mark. He's been through John. And uh, it's been a different audience by a different writer, each one of those books. Matthew is written by a Jew to Jewish audience and records quite a bit of the acts that Jesus performed while he was here on earth. That's what its purpose was. Well, one of the largest sections of Matthew records a portion of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, it's, as it's become known. And, and five years ago, uh, we took a group, five, it's been longer than that, we took a group over to the Holy Land, over to Israel, and we stood, most likely, in the place where that happened. It was kind of fun to be there and to think, oh, this is where Christ would have preached the Sermon on the Mount, right near the uh, Sea of Galilee near Capernaum. Because the, di- the Bible dedicates so many pages to this text, it has significance, obviously, to us believers. Without looking, can some of you tell me some of the contents of this Olivet Discourse? Can you think back? Don't open your Bibles yet. Can you think of some of the teachings there? What it covered? Some examples from the Sermon on the Mount? Beatitudes. Beatitudes. Good. Seeking first his kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God. Okay. You have heard, but I say to you. Mm, the contrast. Yep. Don't worry. Do not lay up treasures in heaven. Do not worry. There's quite a few good nuggets in there, isn't there? Well, if you'd open your Bibles up to Matthew 5 through 7. Um, <clears throat> Steve covered this a few months ago from the pulpit. But I want to revisit the Sermon on the Mount, but from a completely different perspective. One from someone who may have been there, but did not follow Christ at the time. He was not one of the disciples. He rejected Christ during his earthly ministry. He was a rebel. Yet he knew far more about Christ than almost anyone else when this message was preached. So we don't know for certain he was there, but he may have been there. So all these people are gathered for the Sermon on the Mount. Eventually, though, this individual would write a book about Christ. In fact, he wrote the very first book, the earliest book we have, that's part of our New Testament. For those who've been through BTI, um, you know that Steve has told us time and time again that context is so important. We need to know that. When was the book written? Who was it written by? What was transpiring at the time it was written? And who was it written to? Those are important things. Well, the Sermon on the Mount was likely preached in the very first year of Christ's ministry when he'd already done a few miracles. He's starting to do those. His, his ministry's starting. He's starting to get the attention of the Jewish leaders. He's separated from his own family down in Nazareth. Remember, he's about 30 years old now, and he's traveling quite a bit, which included much preaching. This is what Christ is finding and doing as his ministry. So who would have had the closest personal insights on Christ? It would be his own family members, wouldn't it be? It would be his mother, Mary, and Joseph, his half-brothers and sisters. Um. Contrary to Roman Catholic dogma, Mary did have other children after Jesus. Uh, her firstborn, Mark 6.3, lists James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. In, first, in uh, Galatians 1.9, Paul calls James the Lord's oldest brother. So James is Christ's brother. Because James always listed first, it's logical to assume that he was the oldest after Jesus. Wouldn't it be great to get that insight on uh, who Jesus really was from his brother? I mean, that would be really wild to grow up that way. Well, we do have something to look at because our New Testament contains a book of James. If we compare the words used in the book of James, um, in even uh, in the book of James in Acts 15, to those with Acts 15, when a letter is written by James, you see a lot of similarities there. So most scholars believe that the book of James was written by James, the brother of Christ. Uh, both start out, greetings, beloved, uh, 
uh, your souls uh, visit, keep, turn, all kinds of words like that are very parallel with what was said in Acts 15, as we see in the book of James. We know from John 7, 5 that he rejected Christ. It says, for not even his brothers believed in him. He was likely not there at the crucifixion because John nineteen twenty seven Christ tells John to take care of his mother. But 1 Corinthians 15, 7 tells us that after Christ's resurrection, he appeared first to James and then to all the apostles. He went on then to become a very prominent leader in the church in Jerusalem, according to Acts twelve seventeen. So James changed at some point. He got saved and, uh, and followed after Christ. Somehow, soon after his resurrection, he saw that truth of who his half-brother really was, and he bowed his knees. Imagine that scene right then. I try to imagine what it would have been like growing up with Christ as your half-brother. How many of you had siblings growing up? Had siblings growing up? You knew them pretty good, didn't you? Yeah. And how many of you had siblings who were perfect? They absolutely did nothing wrong, ever. Imagine the frustration James had. That Jesus, he keeps doing everything right, and I keep getting in trouble. How come he doesn't get doing anything wrong? He never gets any spankings. He'd be jealous, wouldn't he? He'd be envious of Jesus. How come he can do this right, and I'm not, I'm always getting in trouble? We know that Joseph and Mary knew Scripture, and surely they talked of it often at their home. They were godly parents. That's why they were chosen, not because they were perfect. Yet your brother inspired the Scriptures they read daily as they're reading Scriptures, or they heard them. They all, he always knew the right answers at the dinner's conversation, and the answer wasn't always Jesus. It, he knew those answers because he was the one that wrote this. He always had patience when mom and dad weren't being fair. I mean, think of that. Growing up with a brother like that, that'd be tough. If you were James, wouldn't you be kicking yourself saying, why didn't I see that that was Christ? He was the Savior. Oh, the questions I would have asked him. I can see now why he did this in that certain situation. I see what he meant when mom would ask, who made the stars and the trees and the, and the sky? And he would say, I did. <laughs> So when Christ left to travel for his ministry, I have the feeling James may have gone to check out what he was saying. Or at least James may have heard Jesus say similar truths around the house at other times. So this morning I want to make a case, want to make a case for the Sermon on the Mount from the book of James. I can't guarantee James was there, but I want to plant this idea in your mind. And one of my main purposes of this whole lesson um, is for you to think more often of comparing Scripture with Scripture. Compare passages and think whenever you're reading Scripture of other passages that are similar, that have similar words, similar tones, similar ideas in them. That's what this whole exercise is going to be about. Themes and principles that are often repeated. I would hope that many of you have already been doing this as a habit. Well, some scripture this morning may prompt your heart, my main lesson instead is really to help you with your Bible study as you read scripture or as you hear scripture, what to do with it. Although James doesn't mention at all in the book of James that he's Jesus' brother, that fits the narrative of the book. The first line of the book of James says, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. He some humbly saw himself as a servant of Christ rather than having any elevated position as having been his brother. I'm the brother of Christ. He denied all positional authority as a sibling. He served Christ all the way to martyrdom. The main theme of the book of James is true faith is always accompanied with good works. It's always accompanied with good works. 
Last time I spoke on James, I, I covered some of this, being the very first book in the New Testament. It was written around 44 to 49 A.D., just 13 to 17 years after Christ's death. James, who was not one of the original disciples, he gave an inspired perspective of his knowledge of the gospel. It's not a theological treatise like other books are, like Paul's are, but rather a practical guide on how to live the Christian life. I've always had a fascination with James. I think I've told you this before. My firstborn is named after him. But I've never looked at it in this light of what the brother of Christ remembered and learned from the Sermon on the Mount, if he was there. So it's going to be a lesson not of theological content, rather an inspiration of your personal study for comparison. Open your Bibles, though. Why don't you turn back now to the book of Matthew. Uh, you are in Matthew, aren't you? Matthew 5 through 17. So the book has a really short uh, introduction, or at least this... Um, well, where am I? That doesn't make sense here. Well, the book of James, rather, starts out with a real short introduction of James, the servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes of the dispersions. Greeting. We're going to flip between the two of these a lot here. In fact, I'm going to split the room in half right here, and we're going to have a Matthew section and a James section, okay? And each of, I want you guys in Matthew and you guys in James. We're going to have like a, a battle of the books of the Bible. Are we allowed to do that? I guess so. Um, so James is writing to the Jews who are scattered because of persecution going on. Likely many of these Jews were part of his congregation at Jerusalem where he was the head pastor. He'd rehearsed the gospel many times to them. Likely uh, they followed the lead of Peter and John and Paul who had met during uh, the Council of Jerusalem. They might have been there where Paul explained the Old Testament in light of the New Testament. So let's take a section from Matthew 5, and we're going to compare it, a 5 through 7, some of those sections, compare it to the book of James. So start, I will have you start right in the back with Bob Collins. Would you read Matthew 5, 10 through 12? Matthew 5, 10 through 12. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Great. And can I have you read James uh, chapter 1, verse 2 and 3? My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Hmm. Kind of has a little match there, doesn't it? Okay. Next, um, Barbara, could you read Matthew five forty-eight? Matthew five forty-eight. Therefore, you are to be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Ah. April, can you read James 1, 4? And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Okay. So let's see the comparison there. Let's keep going. Um, next would be, uh, Steve, would you read Matthew 7, 7 through 12? James. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask Him? 
So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Hmm. Let's keep reading. Monica, James 1, verse 5 and 6. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith, doubting nothing. For the one who doubts is like the staff, like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Okay, so we're just walking through the book of James, aren't we? We've been back row, we're working through James. We're going to keep doing this. I want to go through the entire book with you guys. And it's just fascinating to see all this comparison in here. Good. Um, next would be Heather. Would you read uh, Matthew six twenty four and seven twenty one through 23? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in wealth. Seven, twenty-one, and 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, in your name did we not prophesy, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name do many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Hmm. Roger, you get verse 7 and 8 of chapter 1. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Mm-hmm. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Uh, all right. Next, pretty easy one. Matthew 5, 3. I'm sorry, I don't know your name. Oh, Rebecca. Rebecca, I know Elizabeth and mm-hmm. Margaret. But... <clears throat> Uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. There's a pretty easy verse. Let's see if we got a comparison showing up in James uh, 1, verse 9 through 11. Candy? Let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich in that he is made low. Because as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away. For the sun is no sooner risen than the burning heat, but it withereth. And the grass and the flower therefore falleth, and the grace of the fashion of it perishes. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to him that love him. Mm. It's kind of fun to keep doing this. Um, let's go. Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14. Elizabeth? 13 14? Yeah. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. And then why don't you read chapter 7, verse 24 through 27 as well. 7, 24, 27? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's see. Four. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the wind blew and slammed against the house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Hmm. Compare that to James 1, verse 12. Julie? Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. 
For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. See a nice parallel, don't you? Mm-hmm. Okay, next would be Margaret, uh, Matthew 6.13. Well, I'm sure James has something to say about that. James 1, 13 through 15. Jason, would you read that? Let no one say that he is tempted. I am being tempted by God. <clears throat> For God cannot be tempted by evil. He himself is not tempting. <clears throat> and verse 14 and 15. It's not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? All right. Um, I don't know your name yet. Michael. Michael. All right. Would you read for us um, Matthew 5, 8? Um, yeah, and then I've got another section. 5, 8. Uh, 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Okay, then chapter 6, verse 25 to 26. Let's talk about the pure in heart. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Hmm. Seneva, James 1, 16 to 18. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, so that he would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. Okay, there's a comparison. Eva? Matthew five, twenty-one to 22. Hmm. James one nineteen. Lawrence? I'm sorry, yeah, James one nineteen. I'm sorry, nineteen to twenty one. Know this, my beloved brothers, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, laying aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, and gentleness receive the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Okay. Still seeing this? We're going to see lots more. We'll keep going. Um, back to you, Bob. Matthew seven twenty-one to 27. See, I've got an easy job today. I'm just having you guys read scripture. <laughs> Matthew seven twenty one to 27. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, in your name did we not prophesy, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name do many miracles, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, everyone who hears the words of mine and does them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. 
And the rain descended, and the rivers came, and the wind blew, and fell against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. And everyone hearing these words of mine and not doing them may be compared to a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the rivers came, and the wind blew, and slammed against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Hearing, but not not actually doing. James chapter one, verse twenty-two. Would you read that, uh, Jamie? Twenty-two. I'm sorry, twenty-two to through twenty-four, five, twenty-five. 25. Yeah. But he, but be. but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearers who forget, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Mm, Good. Barbara, you get Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Hmm, okay. I'll read Matthew 6, 1 through 4, which is a part of that. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Don, would you read James 1, 26 and 27? If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Pure and undefiled religion in the sight of our God and Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unstained by the world. We've gone through a whole chapter already of James. Kind of fun, huh? Okay, we're going to keep going. Sorry, you're stuck here. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing it. Um, Steve, would you read uh, Matthew five forty through 42? Okay. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go within two miles. Give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Good. Robin, James 2, verse 1 through 4. My brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. For if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes, and say to him, You sit here in a good place, and say to the poor man, You stand there, or sit here at my footstool, have you not shown partiality among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Hmm. You guys don't think we're going to go through the whole book of James, do you? Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> Guess what? Um, next would be Heather, James, Matthew 5, 3, and 10. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. And then let's go back to... Uh, Beginning, uh, Matthew 5, 3 through 10. I have that uh, 
I want to say Darla. I always call you Darla. I'm sorry. Um, Donna. Donna. I'm sorry, Donna. I do. I, I knew I was wrong, though. Matthew 5, 3 and, 3 and, 3 and 10. Did Heather just read that? I'm sorry. James 2, 5. You're back. James 2, verse 5 uh, through 7. Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen you, chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom that you promoted, that you promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Do not do they not blaspheme that noble name by which you are called? Mm-hmm. If you will really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point is guilty of all. The answer is to be poor in spirit. All right, let's go back to Rebecca, Matthew 5, 43 to 47. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, for that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same. Mm-hmm. Okay, that goes to James 2, verse 8 and 9. April? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Amazing how many parallels there are, isn't it? Just keeps going. Um, Next would be uh, Landucci, Margaret. I was Margaret. Wait a minute. It's Margaret. Yeah, I get Margaret and Elizabeth. I always got the two of you guys. Matthew 5, 19 and 6, 14 and 15. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Was that 519? I'm sorry. No, no. Therefore. I'm on the wrong. Sorry about that. Okay, 519. Whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Okay. And then 6, 14, and 15. For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Great. And Monica, we go really easy on this one. Go to James 2, verse 10. Just 10. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty. Yeah, that matches it. Um, Matthew 5, 20 would be the next one. Margaret? Do you want me to do it? Yeah. 
For I it is you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Okay, give me also verse 27 to 32. 27 to 32. Okay. Let's see. You have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust in it for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye makes you stumble, tear it out and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. That was 329. If your right hand makes you stumble, cut it off and throw it from you. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It was said, whoever sends his wife away, let him give give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except for the reason of unchastity, makes her commit adultery. And whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Okay. Uh, James 2, verse 11, Roger, 11 through 13. For he said, for he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who is shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over Mm -hmm. judgment. Your righteousness requires Christ's mercy. They both got it. Uh, Next will be Matthew 7, verse 21 through 23. If you read that. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many, many works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Let me read James 2, verse 14 to 26. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but doesn't have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you say to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed of the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you fellow's person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered his son Isaac upon the altar? You see that faith was active along along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messenger and sent them out another way? As for the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Another parallel. Where Christ is saying you can't rely on your works to save you, James shifted it slightly, saying that if you're claiming to have faith, it better be accompanied by works. Good to see that. My goodness, we went through two chapters of James, didn't we? Well, let's keep going. Um, next would be Matthew five thirteen to 16. Get that? Eva? 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. 
nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way that you light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Mm-hmm. We're shipping your Bibles. It has maybe the title, The Similitudes, above that. Okay, It's not quite as clear, but James talks about the tongue as an example of how we show our good works. In fact, he uses quite a few metaphors about nature, doesn't he? Common in life throughout the book. James 3, verse 1 through 9. Candy, you want to get all that? Mm-hmm. All right. Be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation of one. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships, which, though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasts great things. Behold, how great is a matter, a little fire kindled. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that is defiled the whole body, and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire of hell, for every kind of beast and of birds, and of serpents, and of the things in the sea, is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therefore, bless we God, even the Father, and therewith we curse men, which are made after the similitude of God. The similitude of God. I'm glad I had you in King James. Thank you. That's the way I memorize it in King James. Is the similitude of God. Those are the similitudes. Bingo. All right. Next would be Matthew 7, 15 to 20. Uh, you want to get that again, Bob? I keep giving you a heavy lifting. Now you can handle it. Okay. 15 to 20. Yeah. Nah. Uh, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you will know them by their fruit. I think James says anything similar to that? Go for it, Julie. Uh, You want verse 10 through 16 of chapter 3. From the same mouth came blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Who is wise in understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, Gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, and good peace, impartial and sincere. I think I went too far. Yeah, good. I 
hit it again. Matthew six verse. I'm sorry, Matthew five verses six through nine. Barbara, six and nine. Just six and nine. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Hmm. Good. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Jason, James three seventeen and 18. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruits, without doubting, without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is shown in peace by those who make peace. Wow. Just really cool. Um, next would be uh, Steve, Matthew 7, verse 7 through 11. Huh. Ask, and it, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Hmm. Seneva, James 4, 1 through 3. What is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source of your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Hmm. Heather uh, Matthew six twenty four. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. Lawrence, James 4, 4 and 5. You adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world sets himself as an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture speaks to no purpose? He jealously desires the spirit which he has made to dwell in us. Hmm. Rebecca, Matthew 5, 3, and 9. Yeah. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And chapter 6, verse 16 through 18. Matthew 6, 16 through 18, Yeah. Sorry. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. It stole me. All right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, Matthew 6, 3 through 18. Sorry. 16 through 18. 16 through 18. Okay. Thank you. Uh, now, whenever you fast, do not put on a gloomy face as the hypocrites do. For they neglect their appearance so that they will be noticed by men when they are fasting. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. 
But when you but you when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, so that your fasting will not be noticed by men, but by your father who is in secret. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Thank you. James four, six through nine. Is that you, Lawrence? Are you next? Or did I just have you go? No, I'll go. Okay, there you go. Sorry. Thank you, Jamie. Um, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Through nine. Yep. Uh, be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Okay, I'm going to get it right this time, Margaret. Uh, Matthew 5, 3 through 5. We keep repeating some of these, but it, it hits to the point. Okay. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the lowly, for they shall inherit the earth. And Don James 4, verse 10. Humble yourselves, therefore, in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, all right, next we have Matthew five seventeen and 18. Margaret? Elizabeth, sorry. Yeah. Elizabeth. No, I'm getting there. All right. Do not think I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and the earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until, it is, until all is accomplished. And I'll add to that Matthew 7, 1 through 6. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you seek the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Or can, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Robin, could you hit James 4, 11 and 12? Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Mm-hmm. Good. Let me read this long passage, Matthew six twenty five through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what will you drink, or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious about itself, sufficient for the days of its own trouble. A lot of reading here. Okay, you ready? Donna, can you do James four thirteen to 16? 13 to 16? Okay. Come now, you who say... 
today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, or what is your life. It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Mm -hmm. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. Okay. Next would be Matthew 5, verse 48. You therefore must be perfect, because your heavenly Father is perfect. Ah. Well, let's look at James 4.17, April. Does that have anything similar? So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think we can keep going. If you guys got time, Matthew 6, verse 19 to 23. Emily? Do not let after yourselves treasures on earth and moths and rust destroy, when thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, and neither moth nor rust destroys, and when thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the length of the body, so if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is in you, or the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Hmm. And April, James 5, 1 through 6. One of you. Or either Monica. Uh, come now, you rich. Cry, hallelujah, over your miseries which are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments have become moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver has rusted, and their corrosion will be a witness against you and will consume your flesh like fire. You have stored up such treasure in the last days. Behold, the pay of the laborers who mowed their, your fields, that which has been withheld by you, cries out against you, and the outcries of those who did the harvesting have reached the ears of the Lord of Sabbath. You have lived luxuriously on the earth and lived in self-indulgence. You have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous man who does not resist you. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, Bob, Matthew 5, 33 to 37. <clears throat> Again, you have heard, you've heard that the ancient, ancients were told, you shall not make false vows, but shall fulfill your vows to the Lord. But I say to you, make no oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is the footstool of his feet, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Nor shall you make an oath for, by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your statement be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond these is of the evil one. Mm -hmm. James 5, verse 7 through 12. I'll read that. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruits of the earth, being patient about it, until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfast 
steadfastness of Job, you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. It fits in. Matthew six fourteen and 15. Barbara? For if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Mm. James 5, verse 13 through 15. Roger? Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing songs. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the power of the faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. That's it, right there. Yep. Um, Steve, Matthew five twenty three to twenty six. Okay. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going within the court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. Hmm. Heather, James 5, verse 16. James, I'm sorry, other side over here. Candy, James 5, 16. Thank you. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Yeah. The next would actually be the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, verse 5 through 12. You want to get that, Rebecca? I think it's Heather. Heather. Oh, Heather gets it. I thought Heather gave you that one. Oh, I gave her the wrong one. Thank you. Which one? Uh, Matthew 6, 5 through 12. And when you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners that they may be seen by men. Truly I say to you, they have their reward in full. But you, when you pray, go into your inner room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you are praying, do not use meaningless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they suppose that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. We don't have time to unpack all of that into the book of James, but it's there. Um, if I could, is it Julia next? James 5, verse 16 to 18. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. 
and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Verse 19 also, please. Oh, sure. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him, oh, wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, and I'm supposed to go on. Yeah, keep going at 20. 20. Let him know what, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. We just went through the entire book of James. <laughs> Wasn't that fun? I was thrilled. But you know what? We also went through every verse of Matthew 5 through 7. And that was just, Scripture is just fascinating. I can't wait to get to heaven to hear Christ expound some of it, what it really means. Start peeling back these layers of what Scripture offers us. I, I'm just, I was blown over when I first just put in the two of these together. I said, there, there are so many parallels. It's fun to watch that. While the book of James is often criticized for a lack of doctrine, it was just... <laughs> It was just what the hurting, scattered saints needed. I mean, it's, it's all over the place. To be reminded that Christ's teaching, some of them may have heard Christ's teaching before they were scattered. But with James's flair and style, it's precisely what the Holy Spirit wanted as the very first book of the New Testament that was written. I hope it encourages you to study Scripture more, to know it better, to interpret it in light of other Scriptures. And... Uh, to me, Matthew 7, 28 really is the last verse of the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, let me read that just to close us. Matthew 7, verse 28. It says, And so it was, when Jesus had ended these sayings, that the people were astonished at his teachings, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. I hope you guys see the authority of Scripture. Just a short little lesson. And sorry you didn't get John, but you got to take this. So thank you for being here this, evening, this morning. Um, Don, would you close in prayer, please?